This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. I'm Inquisitor Temperance Price, Keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and this is the third volume in a report on the Valentine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. This report features Game Master Tom McGee and players Ryan Laplante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt as Atticus Viz, Laura Hamstra as Eli Sharp, and Della Borovic as Morgan Rawls. My report shows that the Inquisitorial launch party has returned. Eli brought alcohol back with him, Atticus's power fist prevented the boarding party from dying in an engine explosion, and Valentine discussed Lyric and Alto's deaths with interrogator Cora while Morgan hid elsewhere. What will the band learn from the materials they stole from the Iron Kestrel? Find out next in this episode of the Valentine Heresy. Captain's Log Grimly moody. I mean, I, I, I at this point, I don't really know there's much I can do that'll be right in his eyes, but I, I did I did track that signal uh, back in, in the asteroid belt, and I'm going to take us in, and, and I'm going to try real hard not not to ding up uh, the, the Marnie song at all. Uh, you know, I didn't used to care too much when I, I got dings on my ship, but I, I really feel like, well, uh, the, the colonel, he, he he's going to care, and I, 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 need him, I need him to care, but... I just need him to respect and love me, you know? Eli and Atticus, you have returned uh, from your sojourn over to the Iron Kestrel after a an extraordinarily uh, uh, scary <laughs> core meltdown situation that was happily resolved by some quick thinking on behalf of both uh, Eli and Atticus, <laughs> largely involving just tearing fucking wires out of the wall. Because you know. of the best role ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, also the strategy of just rip, like rip the obvious cabling, you know, like you do, like all good electricians will tell you. Um, you managed to shut down the core um, before it exploded, which is nice. Um <laughs> So, uh, with that out of the way, uh, you were able to breach one of the cargo pods, uh, and Eli, you recovered a large quantity of uh, blasted metal right. uh, that uh, you um, have have kind of like gathered together in sort of a sling, um, a webbing bag, 
and of course, on the way out, uh, you decided to just level with Atticus about uh, the Amersec bottle and um, recommended bringing it aboard as, as something for a special occasion, trying to bring the colonel into your confidence. Uh, but Atticus, ever the the staunch um, retinue member of, of uh, Lucius Valentine, uh, has said he will inform Valentine upon your arrival. Uh, so with that hanging over you, uh, the two of you make your way back ap- across the grapple uh, to the Iron Kestrel. Um, the ship itself is uh, on a state of alert. Uh, having tracked the signal um, that was kind of the repeating signal that was being bounced off of the Iron Kestrel and kind of out into space, far deeper into the uh, the asteroid field, um, Valentine has given orders to make the ship ready uh, to venture inward, uh, suspecting that this is the final resting place of uh, Kanehurst. That said, uh, you brought back a discovery with you, uh, as well as some some investigation, um, which uh, the, the ship is currently eagerly uh, awaiting your report on. Atticus, uh, you have this information about Eli, uh, and I guess the choice before you is, is sort of uh, around how you want to present that. Is this something that you would inform the Inquisitor of privately? Is this something you want to make a big deal about? What's, what's kind of going on for Atticus right now? Um... I don't think there's much malice in it. I think it's we retrieved the terminal, um, which is what, like, we were out there for, like, a fact-finding mission. Couldn't find anything else useful, but we did find a fine bottle of uh, Amersec? Amersec. Amersec. I have a bottle of Amersec. That's my bad. It's fine. We did, yeah, we did find, like, a fine bottle of Amersec. Uh, I just did it again. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a knockoff brand. It's fine. Yeah. It's very expensive, yeah. but it's from a slightly different world. It's Amazon. It's, it exists. <laughs> Eli suggested maybe for a special occasion. And Atticus took that as like, yeah, for the crew. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, sure, bring it. But it will be in the report <laughs> like everything else. So it's just, it's there's no malice. It's just like, there's a book and we're doing things by it. Love it. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, as soon as you kind of make your way into the um, uh, the oh my god, I had the same problem last time. The airlock, <laughs> literally, the memetic <laughs> device in my brain now is like, if you piss off Laura Roslin, she will send you out the airlock. Airlock. Um, <laughs> so you arrive in the airlock, and of course, it's one of those situations where Eli, you kind of have to arrange all of this this bundle uh, because as soon as um, artificial gravity kicks back in. Um, there's just kind of a, a massive sound as these huge slabs of, of metal. We talked about them being kind of the size of like a car door or mm-hmm. like the, the hood of a car uh, or the trunk of a car. Um, just kind of just slam and slide everywhere and kind of fall, fall you know, bouncing away. Um, but of course, there's like staff on hand. It's not like, you know, you're, you're, you're um, doing this stealthily or anything. So um, it's kind of quickly seen to and uh, the pieces are arranged around. Uh, Valentine, would you want an immediate report? Oh, yeah. I mean, if they're back on board, Valentine would have said, yes, we're going to pursue the signal after what we're doing. Do it stealthy. Be smart. Hey, he doesn't know how to fly a fucking spaceship, so he's just going to have to trust Grimly to do that. So, yeah, he would want to get a report. He would also basically, if it was up to him, he'd be like, bring it all down to Magi Gideon Kotov. I'll meet you there. We'll see what he can learn. Frankly, none of us are equipped for this kind of investigation. Yes, sir. Understood. That's all the instruction Atticus needs. He's back. He's got the stuff. He's he's bringing it, bringing it down. Fair enough. And you've got the black box still as well, uh, Atticus. Yeah, that's I think probably the main thing that Atticus is is carrying. Mm-hmm. Great. And uh, how about you, Eli? Anything you'd want to add to this before we 
go see Gideon? Um, no, I mean, like, Eli's just, like, efficient, putting things where they go, <laughs> reporting as ordered. Great. Um, so leaving uh, Morgan to kind of uh, continue her, her clandestine operations, um, as uh, she's been doing over the past two episodes in terms of keeping an eye on the comings and goings of Korra and the, the other things on the ship as, as ordered by Valentine. Um, you kind of get like, uh, I was going to say grav lifters, but they're not that technologically advanced. It really is like, you know, treaded, um, not forklifts, but kind of like, you know, box movers. Like it's not a, mm. it's like a, like a servitor probably in this world, just with like forklift hands. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Um, so, you know, just cranking things up and just sort of slowly, uh, moving the pile. But, um, sure enough, you know, with, with all, all hands helping, um, you get it to uh, uh, Kotov's kind of laboratory easily enough. Uh, the laboratory is looking more and more uh, like uh, one of the rooms on uh, the Nebuchadnezzar in the Matrix, where it's <laughs> just like increasing amounts of cables hanging from the ceiling. There's a large central console um, where, you know, he, he built his little safe box. Um, but uh, there's more and more um, just kind of like the room is clearly being stripped um, so that bits and pieces of the ship can be repurposed in order to, to make things. Um, you can tell one of the big things he's working on is uh, building the new brain scan chair um, as, uh, as ordered by Valentine for whenever that process needs to get underway. Um, but he's also kind of just it, turning it into a proper machine shop as well. So if he needs to build new things, he's, he's capable of doing it. Laura, you've got you've got an expression uh, on your your, your yeah, face as you like no, strong I feelings about that. I, just like, like, uh, it's kind of it's just like he's doing a lot of stuff, you know, and like can't trust him. So I think Eli like spends quite a bit of time just kind of outside the doorway with his arms folded, just kind of like watching him, like eyes narrowed. Fair enough. Assessing, I think, just like constantly assessing and reassessing the threat. <laughs> sounds good. I feel like Atticus, you would probably have Grimly watching this pretty closely as well, where it's just like, you know, hey, are the communications being tapped for this? No, it's just power. Like, that's all you get. You, you know, it's the classic, <laughs> you know, Hannibal Lecter in prison thing where it's like, no, you don't get the internet. We give you lights <laughs> and books, but you can't just have a fucking phone line because you'll do bad things. We know you right. will. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, kind of creating that black box style uh, style situation. Um, so, uh, the metal's brought in along with the black box. I assume um, black box is sort of top top priority, um, or examining the uh, the wreckage. I mean, Atticus would assume black box. Valentine. Uh, if, if Valentine has arrived, black box first. Yeah, we'll say like everyone has coalesced as as yeah. Let's look into the black box first because it may tell us what they were looking for. Otherwise, we'll move on to the further investigation. These were the only two things that were recovered: scrap metal and this black box. Scrap metal, black box, and a uh, bottle of uh, spice chilled emosexa. Interesting. I'll take that third thing for myself. Thank you. Uh, and he's just going to scoop up that bottle and slip it into the pocket of his storm coat. Eli's That's perfectly eyes acceptable to Atticus. track the bottle's movement. <laughs> <laughs> but he says nothing. 
Amazing. Um, it's a tense moment, even though there's no stakes and you're not going to do anything to ruin it. Uh, but still a, a, a tense moment for, for Eli. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, amazing. So with all of that, then um, the uh, Kotov goes and plugs the, the black box into um, sort of a, a console nearby. You can tell it's got like a lot of frayed wires and, and things are just like purpose built for this. And he very quickly sets about kind of like forging new connections and, uh, and powering up and everything else. Um, and uh, looking at it, it just says, uh, well, you know, this is, uh, you know, I always wonder why they don't make the whole ship out of this, you know, like if, uh, if this thing can survive anything. Uh, <laughs> he looks around kind of like he's done this bit a bunch of times and he always expects a reaction and there's never been one. And he's kind of hoping this will be his, his time. Valentine is a fucking stone just waiting for results. Atticus doesn't <laughs> like him or trust him, so no, doesn't give even if he did like it, think it was funny, he doesn't give him the satisfaction. Eli's I mean, does arms Atticus, folded. I do, <laughs> does Atticus think it's funny or no? I just want to know is Ryan. Uh no, I think <laughs> I think if someone else made the joke, it would probably land funnier, but because he doesn't like him and trust him, it's just it doesn't matter. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it, it it doesn't land for anyone. Like no one's no. thrilled about this. But then he 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 just stands there like a bad stand up comic who doesn't know when to move on. Um and kind of lives with it for, for a few moments too long. Uh and then just turns back uh a little too casual uh to the uh uh to the console. So after a number of beeps and uh sparks and occasional false starts, the uh the, the black box kind of hums to life and immediately one of the kind of old, vaguely fallouty screens that's just a little off color with sort of the green on black text, um, starts scrolling through available data uh that was stored in in the black box. Um, so you see a number of reports that are kind of um, too early to really matter, um, but it's pretty easy to just zero in on the information that you actually want. Um, there are uh, three logs um, from uh, Captain Loris Tremaine, um, who notably is a uh, a man who looks a bit like Wesley Snipes. So not who you found uh, aboard the ship. Um, and... Uh, you know, he's got the, the sort of classic 40K, like, um, singular red sort of glass, um, almost targeter eye, um, and then sort of some uh, uh, implants and augmentations to the side of his face uh, for navigation. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, confident-looking guy, um, seems, you know, in good shape, um, confident, owns the space, and is... Uh, uh, kind of has, has given a few reports. So essentially, um, it would seem that the Iron Kestrel uh, took on a contract uh, from North Star Haulers. This was a long-standing contract, one that um, had uh, almost, it was almost like a backlist contract at this point uh, in terms of having been open for so long uh, with no results that it was kind of a, a bounty that had just, like almost an evergreen bounty at this point. Like it's the one on the board that everyone just kind of skims past. Um, North Star haulers are a, a large, they're not quite like a, a rogue trader uh, affair. They're sort of an intrasystem um, hauling company, uh, hauling concern, uh, whether that is, you know, other ships, whether that is cargo, that's basically their, their deal is if you need something from one place to another at normal speeds, <laughs> uh, they'll, they're, they're your, 
they're your folks. Um, but uh, it would seem that uh, some time ago, uh, North Star haulers uh, lost a couple of their ships. Um, according to the contract uh, that uh, Tremaine describes, uh, the uh, two tugs took an off-the-books job, um, which wasn't unheard of within a lot of the hauling companies. Um, you know, everyone wants to be a Han Solo in their day, and there's a lot of smuggling that does occur down by the docks, uh, as The Wire hmm. has uh, told us. Uh, but uh, in this particular instance, the tugs went off on a job and just never came back, which was a huge sort of dark mark on North Star haulers and uh, has has um, cost the company quite a bit. So the bounty is actually rather uh, rather high in almost like an alarmingly high rate for, for this kind of job. In theory, two missing tugs isn't really that big a deal in the greater scheme of things. But if your only job is to deliver things safely on time and two of your vehicles that do that just mysteriously disappear and you can't find them again, that's a bit of a fucking problem. Uh, so North Star Haulers has uh, been in decline and as a result has put a, a sizable bounty in the hopes of wiping this dark mark off their ledger and kind of being able to continue business as normal. Um, Tremaine describes uh, in his later logs a uh, sort of exhaustive um, hunt from kind of port to port that eventually kind of led them to this this corner of the the galaxy and um, to uh, this particular uh, asteroid belt. In his final recording, um, he uh, says, uh, you know, the crew and I are quite excited because we've been chasing these damn things uh, across half the galaxy. And it looks like we're finally, finally zeroing in on on where they went now. You know, this place looks like a perfect spot for an ambush, so we're being very, very careful on our way in. Honestly, if I was a pirate of a different ilk, this is where I would park my ship. So it's not outside the realm that they got ambushed, but, uh, you know, I'm also kind of wondering, this place is a great hiding spot, not just for an ambush, but but for something bigger. And I kind of got to wonder what two tugs would be hauling that could be all the way out here. So uh, me and the kids, we're going to go take a look. And, uh, well, I'm confident we're going to find something pretty special. This is Captain Torres. Or, sorry, Captain Tremaine. You know, I always like to go by my first name. It's confusing. <laughs> it's for bad, bad logs. Bad captain. But, you know, it's my ship, so fuck it. Uh, captain Loris Tremaine signing off. Uh, and there is no further log. Uh, according to the manifest, um, you can determine fairly easily that the person you found aboard the ship was first mate Leanne McIntosh. Hmm. There is um, a log of uh, cargo being loaded um, into the cargo bay, so the the, the metal that you found, um, as well as um, a kind of incomplete report um, that uh, suggests that a body was brought aboard. Um but it's not filled out. There's no no additional details. Uh, you get the sense from looking at these logs that that's probably the cargo that was uh, damaged in the second mm. cargo bay uh, and is thus lost to you. But report of, of a body, um, notably not a crew member. Okay. Did you discover this body while you were over there? Uh, no, sir. There was a... Uh body in the, uh, well, the captain's chair there. Believe, uh, according to the manifest, that would be one uh, first mate, 
Leanne McIntosh. So we don't have the captain. We don't have any other, any other members of the crew. We don't have this body. And this metal has been reported in the hold. Does it say what it's from, Gideon? Um, and uh, Gideon uh, quickly scans it. He says, ah, well, and I think, like, you've got um, uh, your erstwhile adept kind of looking over his shoulder, also just desperately, uh, like, Ivanikov is just trying to kind of get his eyes on it as well. Um, and uh, Gideon says, ah, well, you know, uh, I've been guilty of uh, filing some incomplete paperwork in my time. It's usually a good way to kind of, you know, hide the, well, all the mad science, <laughs> if we're going to call it that. Uh, this, uh, all this, all this reporting here, it's, it's, it's incomplete. This all, this all seems almost like automatic logs, you know, like, like they picked the default thing from the menu just so that something would be there. But uh, if I were to venture a guess, someone was supposed to finish reporting on these things and just didn't. Um, now you said you, you found someone with a bullet in their head. Well, well, I mean, there it is. All right. So between you and Tasseus, I would love to know what this metal is. Whatever they were looking for within the field, apparently we are moving towards. And they lost their captain in the process. Whether that was the body they found on board or there were others. Fantastic. This is an ongoing mystery. Unless anyone has any other ideas or theories that could enlighten me. Eli, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's hard to to know what happened, but with no more bodies and another body being brought aboard, who knows what that other body could have been? Some Xenos or mutant that consumed the rest or killed them off or... We just don't know. And what was uh, Leanne's, uh, Leanne's cause of death? She appeared to have to have taken her own life, sir. Hmm. Consistent with the possibility of abomination, but at the same time the abomination was not on board, which would mean it would need to be spacefaring, which eliminates the majority of warp incursions because they won't last that long. And... Uh, the odds of Xenos are unlikely if it was possible for one to commit suicide so speedily, one would think, if the crew were being overpowered within one large room. Eli, do you, um, I think we established you've got a, a skill for your understanding of ships, correct? Were we going um, with like tech use, I think, maybe? Uh, I be- yeah, I believe so. I'm pretty okay. sure that's Can you what we Can you roll me a used. tech use uh, at uh, difficulty two, please? Yeah, difficulty two, just standard... Um, I'm going to give you a boost because you're being asked direct questions by mm-hmm. a superior about a thing that you're kind of knowledgeable about, which I think actually like through the fog of Eli's trauma and addictions is like a, a beacon. Like what if a oh, commanding yeah, yeah, officer yeah. is just giving him instructions on a thing? Yeah, um, that's good. Uh, this is about ships. So I'm going to give you another boost. Um, Sweet. Yeah, I'm going to give you one setback ah, for rabbit holding uh, only because now that you're thinking about Xenos and the possibility of Xenos, <laughs> uh, it's just like the, the the clarity of your thought is a bit muddled. Yeah. Um, in terms of story points, uh, I believe we're sitting at one in four in my favor. Is that, okay. does that track with your all your notes? I just remember I used one. I've got two four. and three, but it I've could two be and three. All right, let's go yeah, two, and three. two that's, and three. That's 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 cleaner. Um. Wait, in whose favor? His favor. 
in my favor. I'm going to spend one to upgrade okay. one of these these dice because this is a, a low roll. Um, okay. Yeah. So one of the upgraded. All right, cool. I'm cool. good to roll. All right, let's do it. Oh, two successes, one triumph. Whew. Well, damn. Uh, Eli, as Valentine is laying out these these details and you're thinking about what would drive um, the first mate to commit suicide if warp incursion wasn't possible, which honestly, I don't think it even really crossed your mind as a, as a possibility, but now that it has, it's... It's like, oh, right, you don't need to be worried about one corner of the galaxy anymore. You have to be worried about every corner of the galaxy. Um, one thing that occurs to you is the engines were damaged and disabled. Um, that's part of the reason they overloaded when you tried to turn the power back on. Mm-hmm. Um, a quick examination of the logs um, in terms of ship diagnostics does suggest the ship took damage and was rendered... Um, uh, I was going to say obsolete. Man, I am bad with words today. <laughs> um, it was rendered immobile. Yeah, okay. You convey all of that to Valentine uh, and to, to Atticus. This is just something that you, as someone who understands ships, would register as like, if a seaman shot themselves in the head, why would they do it? And it's like, one option is they were, you know, there's an abomination, there's something else, there's something else. But I think your brain would immediately jump to like, oh, but also the ship was disabled. So yeah. it's a, it's... A clear possibility of someone who is is trapped on a on a broken rig in the depths of space. For um, all so we you, knew, she was out here on a ship, couldn't be repaired until she starved or dehydrated or froze to death and decided to end it. In a less painful way. The bottle of Amasek and Valentine's pocket, Tom, is it is the seal broken or is it still shut? Uh the seal is broken. It's in a um uh it's in like a a vaguely atmosphered proofed bottle. Like it's not in its original glass bottle. It's in like you know, one of these fucking things, like a <laughs> the equivalent of a space water bottle, basically, that would keep it from immediately going bad or freezing in in or the boiling, depths of space, but yes, on, it's clearly yeah. like it's clearly been enjoyed. Interesting. That appears to be our strongest theory: either trapped and alone, or determining not to be captured while others perhaps were. Excellent. Uh, I require the study on the metals. Otherwise, we continue our forward journey, just with greater approbation about the possibility of danger. We've known this mission is going to be dangerous, and which is why it is good that we aren't three low-level pirates in what one could charitably call a shitbox. So let's keep it together, everyone. I'd like to double the watches on all hours and get me answers about this metal. Fast. Yeah, uh, it's not a hard investigation. Um, oh, is... then I don't need to leave. Continue, gentlemen. Gideon's yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. just like, oh, I... Uh... I got, I got, like, just Lovler turns the page. He's like, I, I, uh, okay, yeah. Hey, this is Nero Abagnale from, uh, 
Warhammer 40,000 The Valentine Heresy. And look, if you want to help support us in pulling back the curtain on uh, some of the mysteries of the galaxy, like, uh, you know, figuring out what all this Horus stuff means or uh, finding these uh, these uh, new men, well, we're going to need your help. So for just the cost of a dollar a month, you can join our, our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. And yeah, for just that, you can talk to other fans in the Discord, swap theories about uh, the nature of the Golden Throne, uh, about, you know, what really happened back in the day you can really get to the heart of things or you know at five dollars you can listen to this very show ad free uh, as well as some of our other shows uh at uh, fifteen dollars you can add some names to the shows you can hear your own uh you know names showing up and stuff and at twenty five dollars you can create your very own character who will go with us on some of our adventures as well as uh, getting your name added to the credits which is a good way to immortalize yourself you know like like horace did when he got his name added to the credits of history you know so uh if you want to be like horace go to uh patreon.com slash dumdumdice it's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E, and, you know, we'll figure this out together. <laughs> so as we described uh, previously, uh, the shitbox thing is absolutely right uh, for the Iron Kestrel. This is high-grade sort of professional um, shipbuilding material, but it is incredibly unadorned. Now that you've read about the tugs, this is absolutely... You know, this is like garbage truck material. Like you don't, a lot of places do like try and make the garbage trucks fancier, but in some places, like if this is a construction vehicle, it doesn't need to look fancy. It is, it serves a very specific industrial purpose. And that's really the only reason that, that it, it matters. Um, the uh, markings NS3 and NS8 are consistent with the two missing tugs. Um, from Ooh, there the, was NS, uh, I only had NS3. You only found NS3, yeah, because you oh, were floating okay. in a dark ship with a bunch of metal that was going to explode. But uh, Oh, so there's as... NS8 in there, too. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you, you found what you were supposed to find. It's just okay. now that there's more time and it's more Oh, casual. NS for North Star. I got it now. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Um, so, um, yeah, this, this definitely looks like metal. And it's not like they got the nameplate off both ships. Uh, it's like they got the nameplate off one and then, like, the, the serial numbers are consistent on, on the others. Yeah. Uh, so clearly from two different ships. Um, the most notable thing about this material is that, uh, again, it's it's heavily blast scarred. Um, a sort of preliminary look um, from the, the sort of scans in the, the bay that are being interpreted here in, in the lab um, is definitely that uh, there is a, a LAS cannon damage uh, to these. And from the direction of the mm. blast patterns, um, it's fairly easy to ascertain that uh, the explosion came from the back forward. Um, so it wasn't an internal combustion. It was very much like you get the sense that they were being pursued. Possibly. Yeah. Does the Iron Kestrel have last cannons in its complement? Um, it has lower grade weapons, Ryan. I don't even know if these would be on on a like. Despite my brief flirtation with Battlefield Gothic, um, I'm not <laughs> sure what the lower level weaponry would be. But basically, in Star Wars terms, I'm thinking like the Millennium Falcon has a bunch of lasers on it, but they're not the same as like a Star Destroyer's turbo laser cannon cannons. Yeah, so there are like macro cannons and some other more like souped up weapons. Otherwise, last cannons are probably comparable to what you'd see on like a fighter jet or stuff like that. Okay, then the Kestrel would have last cannons. Whatever the capital ship equivalent one level up would be. Oh yeah, they've got like lances and crazy shit. So that's that's more Mm -hmm. what what this damage looks like. This is like a high grade 
munition hit these ships uh, and and blew them up. Far far more powerful than I think Kestrel is is packing. Uh, would he guess based on what he knows superficially? I guess he maybe he'd ask Eli because I don't know if he'd have the answer to this question. Eli, if these are the weapons that they fully appear to be based on the spectral analysis. Are those weapons that pirates would have in their possession, or does this suggest something greater? Tom, I'm guessing it's something greater. Yeah, in your experience, um, unless pirates have taken a pretty big ship, mm-hmm. there wouldn't be much chance of this. Also, given the the Imperium's tight hold on, you know, what high-grade weapons there are, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's highly unlikely. Uh, sir, these are high grade weapons here uh the imperium imperial navy does not let these fall into the hands of pirates eat that easily if at all interesting then this could link with canehurst's ship this could link elsewhere all these tugs could have been lost due to some sort of illegal action which north star was either aware of or unaware of let's send signals back to the inquisition stronghold to have north star audited by let's just say some of our more enthusiastic brethren uh, and continue onwards knowing that we are a dangerous fish in these waters, but there are strong odds that sharks are nearby. Something uh, just occurred to me, sir. Yes, Not please. sure of the uh, logistics of these uh, tug ships, but uh, might it be possible that whatever it was they were hauling had large guns and might have shot them? That is entirely possible. I mean... Are these craft capable of towing other craft? Is that something that they would do? Yeah, Kotov is, like, enthusiastically nodding such that his goggles keep falling out. Um, but he uh, says, uh, yes, I mean, they're, uh, they, they're, they're good for hauling, but, uh, you know, based on my quick scan of the kind of ships available to uh, North Star haulers, well, that's, uh, that's a, a big part of what they do, salvage... Uh, uh, moving disabled ships, that's a, that's a big part of their business. Right, and so this is an off-the-books uh, operation that these two tugs were sent on, so maybe it's a ship that, uh, I mean, I'm quite new still to the uh, finer parts of the Inquisition, but maybe uh, a big ship that uh, people aren't supposed to know about. Maybe it's big enough to hold these uh, impressive weapons that have apparently destroyed them. An interesting theory and one that I find highly fascinating. Either these tugs were stealing something that was armed heavily enough to perform as a capital ship, or stealing a prize so valuable that a capital ship or something larger got itself involved to stop them from taking it. There be dragons in this field. So, sir, if, what kind if this of was ship? an. Sorry, Tyler. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, clearly, you both have an idea. So, I'm, I'm going to go to Eli first and then Atticus. I do want to hear both of these. Don't let your opinion be changed by the other person. Eli. Uh, sir, if this was an officially uh, sanctioned uh, attack and destruction of, you know, some thieving vessels, then there would be records of it somewhere. 
we assume they could have changed their transponders. There could be other losses. I do agree. Tersaeus, let's check with the local fleet registrars to see if there was an action recorded with pirates or some other tug-related incident, let's say within three months, either side of the approximate date of the last log. So he, uh, he'll he scoot off and do that. Um, Tyler, if you want to do your bit, he'll return back after that. This is a quick check. Again, you're still like, it, it, you're probably out of comms distance for most convenient things, but the, the on having kind of plugged into the network when you were back at Last Gleaming, you actually have access to a bunch of you know, your your offline Wikipedia is pretty fucking good now. Yeah, uh, we updated iOS just before we left. Yeah, so. you've got a new background. You're not really sure how you feel about it, but Jesus. next time you change it, you're going to miss it a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. They really want to walk us through new features that are available, but we all just want to do our fucking job, so we <laughs> yeah, don't click Siri to see what they are. Siri is just a skull that screams at you. Servi, yeah. Servi. Servi. Screams on the inside. Yeah. Would you like me to check contact? No, Servi, we're good. Thank you. Um, okay, great. Uh, Atticus, go ahead. So if this is uh, a viable theory, then whose distress signal are we following now? If there's something with big guns out here, is that maybe a bait or something? We know that this is quite possibly going to be pirates. It could be Kanehurst's ship itself. It could be something else. We need to focus on our primary mission. But at the same time, information is the greatest gift that the Emperor can give us. And one, well, one can always call it the greatest source of personal inspiration. However, we do need to tell Grimly Moody right now that we cannot be seen by anyone. Oh, I'll let him know, sir. (laughs) Atticus, like... (laughs) <laughs> trundles off. Yeah. Great. Um, Eli, something you would uh, know that you could convey to Valentine um, that you and Morgan would both know and I think be able to pass along is that um, Kanehurst's ship, uh, the Winged Prayer, is about the same size as the Marnie's song. It's a little sleeker. Mm. Um, it was built, um, pro- it's probably like a little newer um, than the Marnie's song. Uh, yeah. You get the sense that like Billingberg's deal coming from old money was very much like he bought the best thing at the time, then just continued to upgrade it. Right. Whereas Kanehurst being, um, you know, less moneyed in some way or like newer money, I guess, um, <laughs> newer inquisition. He just moved to the <laughs> block um, uh, as like newer ship, but uh, definitely not something that would have Lance, level weapons on it um that's that's not a you know it's similarly armed uh, armed to this yeah i'd convey that good to know the threats elsewhere fabulous we're just collecting enemies being gifted to us by the emperor thank you <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in the cockpit, uh, Atticus, you arrive with a message for for Grimley, who is currently flying very carefully um, towards the asteroid belt. Moody. Um, he he, he kind of like unplugs from the the jack in the side of his head, um, and he says, "Listen, sir, I, I can stand out of tension if you want, but I'm also trying real hard not to get us hit by any of these here asteroids. So, what Good. would you prefer? Keep doing that." Great, jams it back into the side of his head. His eyes roll back up, um, and uh, the ship just adjusts ever so slightly. Um, and he says, uh, uh, and his voice is almost slightly digitized when he's piloting. Um, and he just kind of says, "Like, how can I help you, sir?" 
has been a, uh, an update to your mission, Moody. We are to continue on course. However, stealth has become paramount, potentially to our survival. So that means that if you screw this up, not only your life, but the lives of everyone on this ship are in peril. Uh, understood, sir. Go, go in silent. And um, immediately, like, all the lights on the ship kind of come down to that kind of, like, dim blue emergency lighting. Um, immediately, the thrust cuts out a little bit, um, and the ship begins to move much slower, almost move gun impulse. Um, and you can see it's just kind of like killing all the systems that would be loudest uh, in terms of their their electronic signature and, and everything else. Atticus nods in satisfaction at that and, and returns. Depressingly, Grimly is plugged into a machine. Cannot see that nod of satisfaction. It really <laughs> would have made his day. But, uh, you know, you can just do the job. So you return to um, Kotov's lab. Uh, around the si- same time that Ivanikov uh, uh, arrives and Trosaeus um, just says, uh, all right, uh, Valentine, I've looked at the uh, records. Uh, there is certainly no record of anything that big. Uh, it's just going missing. This would, I think, have been rather large news to the Citadel and to the surrounding area if a uh, large ship just uh, went, you know, poof. Um, I checked back a little bit further than the uh, three months, and there is no record of this anywhere nearby. Now, that said, in looking into the North Star Hollars, it would seem that they have a rather large reach, so it is not outside the realm. They could have brought something from a bit further, uh, perhaps somewhere very far. I do not know, but uh, yes, there is no record of uh, pirate Certainly many, many, many pirate attacks, but uh, nothing on something this big. They are often cowards who hide in the night, not... uh, (laughs) They are the small fish who do not uh, fuck with the shark, is I guess what I am saying. All right, it wasn't imperial action, which means this is either something involving taint, something that someone is covering up. My instinct suggests this could be the cabal, knowing that we are on the work and on the path to stop them. Unfortunately, there are myriad threats throughout the galaxy, so could be Xenos, could be something else. Hopefully it's the Cabal, because I would love some additional clues and to send a few people screaming back to hell. Um, and with that, the... Uh, the uh, I was going to say the Iron Kestrel. That's not the ship run at all. Uh, the Marnie song <laughs> um, kind of slaloms through um, some of these uh, these asteroids. Um, and again, there's something, I think, additionally, like the, the tension you can feel about all these unanswered questions, both about uh, the the Confederacy lurking uh, in the shadows, the shadow cabal that's, that's plotting the ultimate kind of blasphemy against the Emperor, um, but also of, of all the unanswered questions coming from uh, your journey to the ship um, and the, the space you're entering. Um, it leads to kind of a tense moment as as the, the, the ship kind of makes its way through. Um, I'm curious, uh, Eli and Atticus, I think we know where Valentine's head's at, but uh, where your head's at as we kind of come into, as we enter the darkness, as it were. Uh, I think this is, this is another one of those things that, uh, if, pushes like Eli immediately into like alert ready crisp naval officer because it's like suddenly shit's getting serious threats all around you know gotcha 
Atticus is trying to, um, you know, when the things that Inquisitor Valentine says, Atticus tries to embody those kinds of things. And so in hearing that, you know, information is valuable, uh, he looks at this sort of unknown situation that we're going into, not with like fear or like nervousness, but more like, I think like trying to like open himself up to be like, what could this be? How does this help us? Um, that's kind of where his, his head is at is just, is trying to open himself up to, uh, just be ready for whatever's out there. Yeah. Great. And Valentine, you've obviously kind of made your statement on it. Is there anything going on for you beyond that? Um, or is that just, are you being truthful with your crew? Yes. Valentine is functionally where he's at. He's functioning in a gray zone. He doesn't have all the answers. He knows the things he knows. The others are nebulous possibilities. He just needs a few more things to be able to fall into place before he can make a truly decisive plan. The one thing he would do after he leaves this area is go have a quick talk with uh, Thaddeus Thunderhorn, the doctor. Because he's learned there are immediate problems, and then there are problems that are in the very near future that you also have to plan for, assuming everyone will be alive then. Otherwise, you never get anything done in the Inquisition because you could all die in 20 minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, doctor. He'd just knock on... The door would open for him. He's the fucking Inquisitor, but he'd still (laughs) knock on the frame politely. Yeah, Thaddeus is, like, really taken aback that you knocked. (laughs) <laughs> like he's just used to people storming in and yelling things at him. Um, he, uh, he he kind of starts and, and turns and says, uh, my Lord Inquisitor, and like bows so low, full like wrist curling, um, like low regal bow, um, manages to kiss his necklace of Aquilas while he's down there. But of course, since you speak with the voice of the Emperor, like you're a big, you're, you're a big deal for him. Um, he immediately straightens and kind of stands at attention, which takes up a lot of the room. Dr. Thunderhorn, I have a question for you uh, about blood work in particular. I believe there are several members of this crew who struggle with, one might say, addiction issues, and I hope to find them a happier future. But before I can do that, I need to be sure that they're able to function at their best during their duties. How long after ingesting an illegal drug will it show up in the blood work? I'd like to give them a chance to get sober before we run the first test. Uh, he does a, a full goat man beard uh, stroke, uh, which is just like a, a delightfully like long extra amount of, of uh, beard stroke and says, uh, hmm, well, uh, I could certainly arrange for blood samples to be taken after the average length a street drug is within the system. Uh, I assume we're talking about the more readily available things, not anything... Uh, military grade or particularly exotic is that fair to say lord inquisitor he's calling you lord inquisitor because every inquisitor is lord to him the valentines just accepts all of his additional compliments because he can tell that like a argue with this guy is going to take forever also Mm -hmm. b he is an abomination so he should be polite these just (laughs) check out for him (laughs) uh he's a useful abomination which is why valentine has no fucking problem with him it's not personal it's just like nope that's what you are and you have to accept that it's the 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 most dangerous and insidious kind of xenophobia yeah um 
I don't believe it'll be anything too strange because I don't believe they'll have access to it over an ongoing basis. But I would say anything military grade that you have in this room would be very important to include in these tests. Whatever the average time is, I don't know if it's three days or seven days or whatever, if you could just circulate notice in writing to all of the crew that you will be taking samples in that amount of time, we'll find out who can actually sober themselves up and who is what one might call a bit more of a liability. Yes, I will uh, have Traseus spread that around so that people don't spit on it and throw it back in my face, as often my large-scale communications are like to do. Uh, very good, Lord Inquisitor, it shall be done. We will set it for uh, one standard week from now. Um, we have been uh, in space long enough that any reserves should be running rather low, or at the very least be stretched a bit thin, which would also, of course come up in the blood work. If someone is as addicted as you fear, we should be able to tell whether they are ingesting small amounts just to uh, balance themselves out or are taking large amounts because their body has become dependent on it. Excellent. And Dr. Thunderhorn, I do need to make this clear. You are an abomination, but yes. at the same time, oh, you are a tremendously Jesus. useful abomination who I consider to be an important member of my crew. If anyone on this ship takes anything that you have given them in an official or unofficial capacity and spits on it or you, I expect you to report that to me immediately. Uh, this is a real rock and a hard place for Dr. Thunderhorn because he wants to do what you, you're telling him to do but he is also deeply uncomfortable with it. Um, you hear him grit his teeth, which given how many teeth he has is quite a thing. Um, and he says... It's like hearing his zippers though. Going, going yeah, yeah, it's just like a bag <laughs> of rocks. Uh, he just says, uh, I will take that under consideration, Lord Inquisitor. I, of course, live to serve as long as I exist as an affront to the Emperor's gaze. Um, I do ask, if I may, that you think fondly and kindly of those that do spit upon me and confront me thus. They only do as, as the Emperor demands one does with abominations. And he like is kissing the, the necklace as fast as he can whenever he says Emperor, but he's not breaking the conversation. I understand and agree with everything you said, except taking my orders into consideration. I require to be informed. Very well. It shall be done. Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Thunderhorn. I appreciate your professionalism and your empathy. Um, he nods and says, uh, and I appreciate your willingness to forgive an abomination, a slip in the chain of command, and just throws himself to the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Valentine just turns, clicking his heels in perfect Scala Progenium style and exits. You hear just as you're going down the hall, uh, nailed it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> from, uh, and Valentine smiles to himself at that as he walks away, because that's perfect. It's like, kept him obedient, kept him afraid. He's going to do his fucking job. Valentine's still the Inquisitor. Yep. Um, you arrive back on the, uh, uh, sort of on the bridge, um, as um, uh, Grimley's actually taking the jack out of his head, you can feel the the ship kind of slowing um, uh, around you, which is odd uh, because there doesn't seem to be uh, anything in front of you, um, which is when Grimley says, uh, Sir, uh, I, I think we're here. And 
pointing kind of with almost a trembling hand uh, through the, the viewport. It just says, uh, you know, that uh, vast darkness of space up ahead. <sighs> That's a fucking derelict capital ship. This episode of The Valentine Heresy features Ryan Laplante at the Ryan Laplante on Twitter as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter as Atticus Viz, Laura Hamstra at E.L. Hamstring on Twitter as Eli Sharp, Del Borovic at Del Tastic on Twitter as Morgan Rawls, and our Game Master Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and the Valentine Heresy's artwork was created by Del Borvik at delborvik.com, D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme song is The Hordes by Megan McDuffie, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R, available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We have merch dice available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Ave Imperator and death to all the heretics. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. The Half-Blind Prophet, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, Richard Cranium, Sammy Boy, Orion Birchfield, Scott Garland, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, Glitch Trick, Roman Brown, Shulzari, Christian Mendez, Spot Allen, Flynn 1138, Alorain Okapi, OMG It's Big Nick, Steve Weeze, D&D and Things, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. In the alley, the scent is stronger, overpowering. As I watch, the overhead lamps flicker and wink out one by one. God damn it. No. The girl appears briefly under the last streetlight, the headphones snug against her ears, the Walkman clasped to her hip. She's oblivious as she walks, lost in her own world. Hey, stop! I need to talk to you! Then she's swallowed up by the darkness again. Helen, wait a second! (laughs) It strikes her in the gloom so fast she barely has time to scream. She falls into the edge of the lamplight and lies there, bleeding, motionless. The man's skin is scaly, flaking, and there are patches of soot on his cheeks. He stares at me with eyes like midnight. Eyes that are devoid of remorse, devoid of humanity. He's one of them. I turn and run, and I don't look back. The Road of Shadows, a new mystery and suspense audio drama by Mark R. Healy, creator of The Strata. Listen now at theroadofshadows.com.